scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. A certain pastor preached frequently on baptism. And as that congregation began to tire of similar-sounding sermons so often, they went to him and said, we'd really appreciate it if you would vary your topics from time to time. The preacher said, fine, you give me the scripture you want to hear a sermon on, and I'll preach from that text. Someone suggested, why don't we start with the book of Genesis and just work our way through from there. So the very next Sunday, the pastor stepped into the pulpit and read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he continued, And 70% of the earth's surface is covered by water, which brings me to the topic of baptism. (laughs) We can't really blame that preacher, though, can we? He understood that baptism is the rite that marks us as Christian disciples and initiates us into the fellowship of the church. Baptism is the means by which we enter the Christian community. And that's why the traditional location for a church's baptismal font is near the front door. This is the baptismal font of the parish church of St. Andrew in Epworth, England, where John and Charles Wesley and most of their family were baptized. Here's the baptismal font in the Cathedral of Salzburg, Austria, where the baptisms of Joseph Moore, the priest who composed the words to Silent Night, and Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart were celebrated. Sometimes the baptismal font is in a completely separate building. This is the baptistry in front of the Duomo in Florence, Italy. I don't know if anyone famous was baptized there, but it did figure prominently in Dan Brown's novel, Inferno. (laughs) Through baptism, we are adopted. 
Recall the words from Matthew's Gospel that Sylvia read just a moment or so ago. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. In first century Palestine, when a child was adopted, that same phrase was used. The adoptive parents would appear before the rabbi with the child and they would say, This is our dear son. This is our dear daughter with whom we are pleased. Baptism marks us as God's children and as Jesus' disciples. And likewise, we are adopted into the church family through our baptism, a very important part of the baptismal liturgy is the acceptance of responsibility on the part of the congregation for the spiritual nurture and the Christian fellowship of the person baptized. Also in baptism, we are named. It wasn't that long ago that in Protestant tradition, a baby's name wasn't public until his or her baptism, when the name was bestowed. Everyone in the congregation would lean forward in their seats, and the pastor would ask the parents, what name is given this child? After hearing the name, it was spoken publicly for all to hear, for the very first time. Baptism names us as God's children building upon these verses from the first epistle of Peter, probably part of a first-century baptism ritual. At one time, you were no people, but now you are God's people. At one time, you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Baptism takes different forms. There is immersion, where the one being baptized is completely submerged under the water one or more times. Then there is sprinkling, where a small quantity of water is poured over or applied to the head. Although some faith communities prescribe a specific form for the rite of baptism, the United Methodist Church does not. According to Frederick Beekner, baptism consists of getting dunked or sprinkled. Which technique is used matters about as much as whether you pray kneeling or standing on your head. Dunking is a better symbol, however. Going under symbolizes the end of everything about your life that is less than human. 
Coming up again symbolizes the beginning in you of something new and hopeful. You can breathe again. Question. How about infant baptism? Shouldn't you wait until the child grows up enough to know what's going on? Answer. If you don't think there is as much of the less than human in an infant as there is in anybody else, you have lost touch with reality. When it comes to the forgiving and transforming love of God, one wonders if the six-week-old screecher knows all that much less than the Archbishop of Canterbury. Regardless of the method of baptism, the meaning is the same. One is claimed as God's own, adopted into the family of the church, and named as a Christian disciple. Martin Luther described baptism as a once-for-all-time event that continues throughout one's entire life. In times of doubt and despair, Luther said the only thing he could do was to touch his forehead and repeat to himself, Remember, you are baptized. That gesture brought him comfort in his dark nights of the soul. When you experience your own dark nights of the soul, your own days of doubt or despair, I hope you won't hesitate to follow Luther, to remember that by your baptism you are claimed and named to remember who you are and whose you are. We've been reminded this morning of Jesus' baptism through the gospel story. In just a few moments, we will have opportunity to remember our own baptism as well. Although, if you're like me, and you were baptized as an infant or a very young child, you may not actually be able to consciously recall the event. Nonetheless, I invite you to join me in reaffirming the covenant of baptism. To renew the vows that you made or that were made on your behalf at your baptism. To rededicate your life to following Jesus. To recommit yourself to the ministry of all believers to which our baptism calls us. To respond once again to the great commandment to love God and in God's name to love our neighbors in all we do. To remind ourselves that by our baptism we have been born through water and the Spirit. May we pray together.
Gracious God, we have inherited the covenant of baptism from those pioneers of our faith long ago. Today, we remember Jesus' baptism and our own, and we reaffirm this covenant to live as those who have been claimed as your children, adopted into the family of faith, and named as disciples of Jesus. Help us to live each and every day in such ways as fulfill that covenant and that honor you and your Son, Jesus, our Savior and Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. The God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day. And may God bless you.